From the great state of Ohio, Buckeye Firearms Association presents Keep and Bear Radio, fighting for Second Amendment rights, calling out media lies, and telling the gun grabbers to come and take it. Now, Keep and Bear Radio. Here we go again. Republican Senator Matt Dolan, sponsor of the failed Strong Ohio gun control bill from the last legislative session, has introduced a new bill with some of the same ill-conceived ideas. SB 357 presents what can only be described as Strong Ohio 2.0 or Strong Ohio Light. What's in it? Red flag, gun owner permission slips, and universal background checks. What's going on with this? Is the answer to a big bad idea a smaller bad idea? That's what we're going to talk about on this episode of Keep and Bear Radio. I'm Dean Reek, Executive Director of Buckeye Firearms Association, and I'm joined by Rob Sexton, PFA's Legislative Affairs Director, to try to make sense of this baffling bill. Hi, Rob. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Dean. It's great to be back. Well, Rob, have you been to see any movies lately? You know, we went to see the new Top Gun movie a couple of weeks ago, and I have to say, that was a great time, right? It's been a long time since we've had a movie where you get to get your Patriot on in the whole nine yards, you know, and, uh, and, and Tom Cruise, he did it again. It was a great, in fact, in a lot of ways, it was better than the original. I mean, that that's like uh, like an old-fashioned 80s movie, right? They were going after the communists and, and all of that. Is that is that what it Because everybody's trying to get me to go see that, and I'm a movie guy, but I haven't been back to see it. So they never tell you exactly who the bad guys are, but they smell a lot like Iran, right? So this is one of those movies, you know, there's no, uh, there's no gray to it. There's bad guys and there's good guys, right? And we're out to kill the bad guys. And, you know, sometimes you need one of those. So it was a great movie. Special effects obviously were awesome. And, uh, you know, had me want to make the USA chant at the end of the movie. So <laughs> money, money, <laughs> money well spent. I'm going to have to to get back out. I mean, when you're, my barber's trying to get me to go see it. So, you know, when your barber's telling you to go see a movie, you got to see it. Now, the reason I asked, Rob, was I'm a sci-fi and horror movie fan. And there's this bill that just came out and made me think of one of those horror movies. You know, the ones where they keep killing the monster but the monster keeps coming back, you know, like the thing that won't die. And I'm talking about Senator Matt Dolan's SB 357, which is basically a regurgitation of the strong Ohio bill. I'm sure everybody remembers that because it was in the press like every five minutes. And that never went anywhere, never even got out of committee. But here we are with, I guess we could call it strong Ohio light or strong Ohio 2.0, you know, it's yeah. kind of, it's kind of like a light beer, you know, fewer calories, but still skanky. And, yes. uh, <laughs> so, so, so here we are, and this just came out and I want to dig into it a little bit, talk about why we didn't like strong Ohio to begin with and talk about this bill particularly. But before we get to that, Rob, you know, when this came out, 
I started thinking about why, you know, why do Republicans do this? Matt Dolan is a Republican. And uh, he's supported us on some important bills. But yes. the Democrats, they will always come out with anti-gun bills. Republicans generally don't. But they tend to go through these phases. And it's like they want liberals to love them. You, you, you remember the old joke, right? That, you know, about Democrats mean well, but Republicans are just mean, right? And I think that Republicans take this to heart. They get tired of being the bad guy in the media. And so they, they want some of that liberal love, Rob. They put on their tie-dyed T-shirt. They start hugging trees and singing kumbaya. And then they come out with these gun control bills. Yes. What What is it? about Republicans. Why do they do this? Well, you know, I think, I think there's something to what you said about, uh, they get tired of being the target of the liberal media. And then, you know, they get a little bit of liberal love when they're taking on another Republican who is more right wing than them. And then they, they get delusional and thinking that the liberals actually mean that stuff. Right. And, John McCain comes to mind the most. You know, the liberals just love John McCain until he ran for president. And then all of a sudden it was he was too crazy to sit in the Oval Office and he had anger management problems. So I don't know why Republicans sometimes chase the liberal media. Heck, our last governor, John Kasich, he he ran down that pike. Uh I think CNN's finally done with him. I haven't you know, I haven't seen that he's been on there for a while because he's already he served his purpose. But you know, apparently Matt Dolan is flirting with the same path, it looks like, doesn't it? Well, yeah, I just, they, I, they go through phases, and I just wish that they would learn. They never seem to learn their lessons because I'm always saying, you know, anger makes you stupid. And we see what Democrats do when we have these mass shootings. And that's what the Strong Ohio thing was all about. It was about the Dayton shooting back in 2019. Everybody was really angry about this. But... When you're angry, you're stupid. You, you do bad things. And when Republicans start doing that as well, that's a real problem. I, and I just, I, I don't get why they think that abandoning their principles, abandoning their voters, you know, pretending like that the liberals are actually going to vote for them or Democrats are going to vote for them, that never works. So uh, they, they don't seem to learn their, their lesson, Rob. That, you know, and, and we saw this happen with Dolan, he, he had his primary earlier this year in May, and he lost. In fact, he came in third. Fourth? Was it third? I think it was yeah, third because J.D. Vance won. He was running for U.S. Senate, and right. and he came in third, I think. Josh uh, Mandel. Matt, Josh okay. Mandel, right. So, you know, it was like uh, Dolan had, I don't know, 23%. Mandel had about 23, closer to 24. J.D. Vance was in the 30s. Right. And, you know, it's just uh, you know, with a lot of, the, especially with primaries, it's all about your cred, right? Your street cred. And right. you're not doing yourself any favors when you're running as a Republican, but you're doing stuff to try to appease the people on the other side of the aisle. That just doesn't work yeah. out. Yes. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I, I've been, you know, ever since we got uh, the text of this new bill, which, as you pointed out, I love the fact that it's Senate Bill 357. That's a, that's a fantastic name. For I mean, that's that that was so sad because the 357 is such a nice caliber, and it's yes. an insult to 357s everywhere. 
Yes, first handgun I ever bought, by the way, when I was in college at uh, over at uh, Vance Outdoors at the old Cleveland Avenue store. 357 was my first gun. So, yeah, so this bill, Senate Bill 357, I, I, ever since I got a copy of it and read through it, you know, one word just kept coming back. Each section you read, you know, no, no. And then it, it hit me. Maybe we need to use some marketing involved in this bill. And how about we go with this one? Senator Dolan, no means no. This is not one of those situations where, yeah, you said no, but let me try it this way and see if you'll like it. No, no, we're not going to go for that. Okay, well, let me try it this way and see if you'll like it. Here's the bottom line. Strong Ohio, strong 2.0, strong light, whatever you want to call it. No means no. It seemed like there was an awful lot of messaging in the bill directed toward us. It was almost like, here's what I want to do, and here's why that's okay. There, there was, it was like a marketing document. Yeah, the, you know, we should dive into this, but there were some of these, some of these titles, right? So the bill basically is broken down into five sections, but three, the first three sections, are really where all of the bad stuff exists. So the first section is the due process safety protection order, right? So this is the whole, this is red flag under a different name. But in the past, of course, we've said, what's wrong with red flag? Well, gosh, among other things, most notably is the lack of due process. So you know how we know that there's due process in this bill, Dean? Because it says, it says it's so. due process. Due yeah. process, it's safety due- protection. Order. Well, that's all we need, Rob. So we, we've got yes. to get behind that, right? I, I, yeah, I'm, I feel better now because he calls it the due process safety protection order. But when you actually read the bill, you're still right back where you're always wind up on this issue, which is a person who has not committed a crime can have their firearms taken away from them. And then this bill does not spell out, hey, you can have the whole thing reversed in 30 days if you do X, Y, and Z. Instead, it's just, hey, you can petition the court to get your gun rights back. And I think all of us know that if if some judge decides to take your guns away, what judge is going to countermand that and feel comfortable doing that? The bottom line is, this is a way that your guns get taken away and you spend five or six years trying to get them back and you know, thousands of dollars in legal fees. It's just a disaster for gun rights. So although the bill assures us that there is due process, I'm skeptical. Well, and and a lot of Republicans try to avoid the term red flag. And so I've heard the term pink slip as if pink slip is better because, you know, pink is lighter than red. It's like, well, okay, red flag, pink slip. How about the lavender law? I mean, let's, yes. let's you know, come up with different kind of red collars or purple collars. It doesn't – now, they, they use the word safety protection order in the original Strong Ohio. They just added – Dolan just added due process. Right. So now it's due process safety protection order. And that section, I, I didn't read it word for word. It just seemed to go on and on and on and on on how this was like, no, no, trust me, that this really has due process here. And even in the press materials that came out, he was pretty adamant that, look, I've, I've tried to make this more palatable to, you know, gun rights organizations. Well, that's just, that's not going to work. Red flag is red flag, regardless of what you call it. It is. And, and you know, uh, 
Buckeye Firearms Association's legal counsel, Ron Lemieux, has pointed this out well as a great parallel. The no-fly list, right? The government created this, this list that you can be randomly put on. And then once you're on there, heck, they don't even notify you. You find that out when you go to try to buy an airline ticket next time. And then there's no identifiable process to get you off, right? They tell you, hey, well, you you can petition to be taken off the no-fly list. But once you're on there, there's just no no laid-out pathway for it to happen. So with that experience in mind, we're supposed to we're supposed to be assured, because this says it's a due process safety protection order, that there is a process, except the bill really doesn't lay out a process at all. It just says you can petition the court to get your guns back, which of course you could do anyway. So the section one of this bill, the due process safety protection order is a hard no. And then there's this other section, and this is an, another oldie but goodie coming back from the original strong Ohio bill, the seller's protection certificate. Again, right. using some marketing language here, this is basically universal background checks repackaged in the original Strong Ohio, they were trying to create this online portal where you could go on and do your own background checks. This one's a little different. It's You're going through sheriffs. So, Rob, if I have a shotgun, I want to sell it to you. But I'm thinking, you know, you look a little, um, I'm, I'm not quite sure that, you know, I, I want to sell this to you. I can get you to go through this background check. Sheriff has to sign off on you. They're doing the background check on you. And then I get a certificate to protect me from any kind of liability in case that you right. decide to go knock off a UDF or, you know, whatever it is that, that you're going to do bad with that shotgun. And the problem here is that even though it's voluntary, according to the bill, well, if people are faced with potential liability, that's going to become a de facto mandate at some point because why are you going to purposely put yourself out there to, to possibly be held liable. And that, that law could easily also just be changed with a stroke yeah. of a pen once you have that process set up. Well, I think when they, when they act like this is voluntary, if you sell a gun to somebody and you don't go through this process, you're just opening yourself up to have the full weight of the government sicked on you in the aftermath of a tragedy for which you might not have any responsibility whatsoever. So this sounds like a voluntary thing. Yeah, you don't have to do this if you don't want to. But in reality, as you say, Dean, if they made this permissible, you'd be your rear end be hanging out the window if you did not go through it. And I think that's their whole point. So it, it it's an in run on universal background checks. It sounds a little bit like the whole mafia shakedown thing, right? You know, they come to your store, they want you to pay a fee for protection. Well, protection from what? Well, you know, it's a nice store you have here. It'd be too bad if something happened to it. You know, they want you to protect them from something that they will do to your store. So that, right. I mean, that's that's what this is. Uh, it's just universal background checks. And yes. but, but Rob, there's this, there's another section, this brand new so-called co-signer requirement. Yes. And this targets 18 to 20-year-olds who want to purchase firearms, uh, except if you're buying like a single-shot firearm. And, yeah, so and basically, basically, this is like a permission slip, right? So you're, you're 18, 19, 20 years old, whatever. 
you want to go a Reming- go buy a Remington shotgun, yeah. which is perfectly legal. Now you can't do it. You need to get a permission slip. An adult yeah. has to go with you, co-sign it. And not only do they co-sign it, then they're taking on liability. They're held civilly liable if you do something like brandish or you use the gun in a felony or something of that sort. Yeah. Yeah. So, th- so there's a lot to, there's a lot to unpack in this, what probably is the worst part of this strong 2.0. So you're 18. It says here, and I'm reading literally from Senator Dolan's notes on the bill that he has provided to the media. He, he assures us that if you're 18 to 21, this will not ban you from buying a firearm. Dean, you're allowed to. You're allowed to do that. But you can only buy one that is a single shot, right? So you're allowed to have a single shot rifle or a single shot shotgun. We could call this the Barney Fife rule, I think, right? If you're 18 to 21 years old, for all I know, you might have just been discharged from the military in Afghanistan where you served as a Navy SEAL. You come home, the government will only allow you to buy a single shot firearm. Unless you get this permission slip that you're referring to. So the government's going to treat this person who comes home from the, from the military like Barney Fife. We don't trust you with a firearm except a single shot unless you get this permission slip. Now, you make the point it has to be from an adult, but it's actually a little crazier than that. The person that has to sign the permission slip has to be 25 years old or older. Right. So not a 22, 23, 24 year old. Those people are notoriously unreliable and crazy. Apparently you have to get a 25 year old or older to sign your permission. Slip, right? So, so it's, your, it's, it's your big brother or your big sister yes, or your, yes, your, your, your who, who used to be your babysitter across the street yes. or something like that. Right. Yes. So more, more than likely who's going to sign this is going to be your parents. Right. You're going to hit your parents up age 20. 21 years old. Hey, dad, can you sign this permission slip that allows me to buy a firearm? But here's, they always got to look for the butt, right? The butt is this. If they sign the firearm and you do something with the firearm against the law, they're civilly liable. Yeah. So mommy, mommy, I want to go buy a gun. And by the way, you're responsible for what I do with it. Yep. Yep. And you see it. And so you might say, well, come on, you know, I mean, the guy, you shouldn't do anything wrong with the gun. But if you watch the news, this is the craziest stuff. What was it? Probably a month or so ago, you had the, the fella who was working behind the counter at the bodega. The guy comes around the counter to rob him and rough him up. And the guy defends himself with a knife and kills the attacker. And he gets arrested for it. Right. So under, under Matt Dolan's idea, if that, if that person had gotten a permission slip to have that knife, then his parents would be civilly liable for that activity. So this is a terrible idea. I mean, that, let me rephrase. There, there are many terrible aspects to this idea. It's, it's hard to believe you could make something that smells as bad as strong smell stronger. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. And, and it's, it's not, none of this makes sense. It all feels like like Dolan wants to do something, he doesn't care what it is. He just can't let it go. Like I'm going back to the monster analogy. You know, this is the thing that just won't die. 
let's, I mean, let's talk about the original strong bill because I went back and I looked and it had three hearings. This is the original one that came out in 2019. Three hearings. I think there was the one hearing with Dolan because you always have a sponsor hearing. There were two more hearings and they were both proponent hearings. I don't believe it had any opponent hearings at all. We never got a chance to testify against it. It never got out of committee. Never. And it didn't even have a chance to get out of committee because there was no way that leadership was going to, to pass this. I mean, so the votes weren't there. The right. votes were not there. Yeah. And so what's the point of coming back with this? It's like, well, we're going to take, you know, my, my big bad idea didn't work. So here's a little bad idea that might work. Is, is that the thinking? I, I don't get it. Well, I think, I think that is the thinking, except for this last section we just read, right? So, you know, all the stuff we were talking about over the last 24 hours as we discussed this reintroduction was this is strong light, this is strong 2.0, but Dean, this co-signer requirement, it's, it, it is hands down the worst idea in this bill. And so in some ways, maybe this should be called you know, stronger, you know, instead of strong Ohio, because it, it, it smells stronger than the last one. It's a terrible idea. Well, it's, it's creative. I mean, uh, let's give him points for creativity. I, I don't think I've ever heard of this. That's permission slip idea. Maybe well, some other state has done something like that. I'm not aware of any state that has, of course, you know, it's very possible, but here's what he's trying to do. He's trying to thread the needle again. Right. So remember just a minute ago, we know that we have nothing to fear with due process safety protection orders because it says it's due process. So you just know there is because it says so. Well, there's been a lot of talk in Congress from uh, Democrats in the Ohio General Assembly and elsewhere that we just need to stop 18 to 21-year-olds from being able to buy guns, period. Let's just ban it. So Senator Dolan's bill says, oh, no, we're not going to do that. We're not going to ban it. That would be a terrible idea, right? That would be completely contrary to the second amendment if we banned it so we're not going to ban it we're just going to tell you that you can only buy a single shot firearm to defend your home with if you're under the age of 22 right unless someone will sign a voucher for you and then take on the civil the civil liability if you do something wrong that's like saying we're not going to ban cars but the only car you can have is like a 1980 pinto yes yeah, or, you know, we're not going to ban cars, but you can buy one that only goes 30 miles an hour, Yeah, right? So, yeah, so, so I have a hard time labeling this. He's trying to pass a lighter version because this is a pretty awful idea, but he's definitely gotten creative. You're right about that. So, you know, we've uh, talked to the media a little bit about that. They, they always call us. They want to know what we think. We did send out a press release and we told them what we thought. And one of the questions, Rob, that I frequently get is, well, if you guys don't support this kind of thing, what do you support? What would you want to do right. when it comes to violent crime? And I'll explain to them first, well, look, we're, we're basically a civil rights organization. That's not our job. Law enforcement's not our job. Our job is not to try to identify who's going to commit crimes. We know what our job is and we do it. You know, you're not out, out there asking the ACLU or some other 501c4, 
you know, what they're doing about this or doing about that. You know, you, you treat them as a civil rights organization. That's what we are. So I explain yes. that. It usually doesn't go over very well. And then I'll say, look, if it were up to me, I would probably do something really crazy. I would do, for example, like enforce current law. I know that's crazy. I know that sounds completely insane, but we have laws like don't murder people, don't assault people, don't rape people. Well, you know, we have crazy laws like that. And, and, and Rob, look, we're in an era. Let's just be honest. We're in an era when the same people who want to ban guns and want to infringe on our rights, they're the ones supporting bail reform, defunding the police, de-incarceration. They're the ones encouraging riots and mob violence. We saw that in 2020 and 2021. You know, that this scourge of, of increased crime in major cities. I've read statistics, Rob, where there's been a spike in homicides and violent crime that are like 40, 50, 60 percent. And, the, and they're trying to link it to people buying more guns. Well, people buy, are buying more guns because of the crime. It's not... Yes. It's not the guns causing the crime. It's the crime causing more buying in guns. They Absolutely. have it completely people, people know the system. Yeah, people know the system is broken. You know, the, the, average, the average American knows that the police have been handcuffed, that, that the police no longer really know which way is up anymore. They're unsure of themselves. We know that cities are literally telling, this is the craziest thing ever, cities, including big cities in Ohio, are telling bad guys, you know, we're really not going to, we're not going to come after small robberies and small burglaries and shoplifting. And, you know, we're not going to, we're not going to chase people for erratic driving and all the, all the basic law enforcement ways that you crack down on folks who are breaking the law. So the criminals know that. They also know that bail it's like we're setting a record now for the amount of people who can commit a heinous crime and then be out with no bail the same day and and then they turn around and, and say gosh i can't figure out why crime is spiking and, and i think the reason is is they've completely abdicated their duty to keep people safe and so you know their big excuse is that it must be the gun's fault and it's crazy well, I mean, this uh, is, you know, uh, Rob, this is, this is kind of like raising kids, right? Now, I'll, I'll admit, first of all, I don't have kids. I'm, I'm content to be the crazy uncle and rather than be the crazy parent. But I, I do know about, you know, when it comes to human behavior, you have to set rules, boundaries. You've got to be consistent. Kids turn out bad when you don't have those kind of boundaries that you set for them. And the same thing happens with crime. If you're not enforcing laws consistently, if you're constantly changing your mind about what people can get away with, they're going to learn it. Kids learn when you're not serious and they, well, will, they think, will act badly. And criminals do the same thing. They're acting perfectly logically. They know, hey, they're not enforcing laws. Maybe I can get away with this. Right. I think that's exactly what it is. And you know, we keep tying this back to the big cities. Well, why? Well, we're not having an exploding crime wave in, you know, Harrison County or Greene County or Putnam County. We're having an exploding crime wave in Columbus and Cincinnati and Cleveland 
in Dayton, in Youngstown? What are these are all the big cities? And what do they all have in common? They're all being run by Democrats who have decided to abdicate cracking down on crime. And so those mayors, including the one who's running for governor of Ohio right now, Nan Whaley, they've abdicated their duty to keep people safe. And so they've got to have an excuse for that. And their excuse is, well, it's got to be guns, right? Now, why in the world would a Republican want to get in bed with that idea is beyond me. And that goes back to our point before. Why is Senator Dolan seemingly catering to the political viewpoint of the left? Well, you were talking, you were referring there to Nan Whaley, right? Yes. So yes. she's actually come out in support of this bill. In yes. fact, I think her quote was, well, it's a good start. Right. So if you look at, okay, you've got Nan Whaley on your side, who is as anti-gun as you can possibly get. If that's yes. on, that, that's who's on your team and you're a Republican, you're going down the wrong rabbit hole. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm sure Cecil Thomas, the, you know, our, our favorite left-wing senator who never met a gun control bill he didn't like, I'm sure Senator Dolan would be happy to vote for this bill. Yeah, it just I'm sure it doesn't doesn't go far enough. But Rob, it's a it's a good start, according to according to Nan Whaley. Yes. You know, I think a lot of Republicans were reluctant to vote for Senator Dolan because they don't trust him on the Second Amendment. And it, you know, as you said, he's he's given us some good votes, right? He voted for constitutional carry, for example. But, you know, he's sort of uh cozy with gun control in certain circumstances and this bill obviously sticks out like a sore thumb and i think that ultimately is the reason why he had problems getting traction in that primary and now that he's doubled down with this latest version it's hard for me to envision a scenario in which people don't remember this for many years to come yeah i checked what a lot of people may not know is we actually do track votes you know, we're not relying on news reports. We have a spreadsheet. I'll just give you an insight in, into some of the some of the details of what happens behind the scenes here. We have a spreadsheet, a giant spreadsheet that goes back about 20 years that tracks the vote of every legislator on every single bill. And so we know, if you're a legislator out there listening to this, we know how you voted on everything. And we have that at our fingertips. Dolan has an 82% voting record on Second Amendment bills. As you said, he voted for constitutional carry, so good on him. He voted to limit government power in emergencies. That was two of our big bills that, that we've worked on. We got one passed. We still want to try to get the other passed in this session. He voted right. for he voted for knife preemption, Rob. Yes. But 82%, that means he didn't vote with us all the time. He voted no on the armed teacher bill. And yep. he voted no on duty to retreat. Now, that tells me something because those are bills that law enforcement specifically were opposed to because they, they didn't like the idea of, you know, other people being armed other than them. And they didn't like that they were going to, you know, the, lose this duty to retreat requirement, which is going to make it easier to prosecute people. So I'm wondering if, you know, part of Dolan's thing is he just, he kind of goes along with the police unions on, on some of these votes. And that's why he's 82% rather than some of our folks down there, the Republicans who are like 100%. Yeah, that's right. You know, if, and I haven't done this, but if we were to go through the entire 
Republican caucus of the House and Senate. 82% would be among the weakest in terms of the percentage of time that they vote pro-gun. So there's no doubt that Senator Dolan has one of the weaker records on gun rights in terms of his votes. And I think you're probably right. You know, I think he he comes at this issue from sort of a big city point of view and the police, the police chiefs, the mayors, that sort of thing. I think those are influential to him. But if we could, and, and, and let's, let's make a disclaimer here that we're just purely prognosticating here. When we ask this question, why is he doing this? The rumor, the rumor out there is that Senator Dolan is planning to run for the United States Senate in 2024. Right, So that's the seat currently held by Sherrod Brown. So the rumor is that Senator Dolan is laying the groundwork for a run for that U.S. Senate seat. He is term limited. So when his term is up, then he will not be able to run for a state Senate seat again. And so the rumor is he's, he wants to take on or pursue the seat currently held by Sherrod Brown. My question would be, what makes him think that this will help him get better than third or fourth place? in a Republican primary. Well, it's that, it's that liberal love thing again, Rob. He's, he's putting on his tie-dyed shirt. He's going out there. He's singing Kumbaya, thinking that he's going to get liberal votes. Uh, that, that doesn't work out. I mean, this whole idea of being a middle-of-the-road candidate, you know, a Kasich candidate, I don't know, 20, 30, 40 years ago, maybe. But that doesn't work these days. It's let's just let's just put our cards on the table. It's very tribal out there. If you're not a staunch Republican or if you're not a staunch Democrat, you're not going to make it through the primaries. So this yeah. is just, you know, if, if you put the principles aside, this is just bad strategy. Yeah, exactly. So that's what I find the most perplexing is what's the end goal of this? He, you know, Senator Dolan is a smart person. If you've had any conversations with him at all, you come away seeing that he's a smart person. So. What purpose does this serve? And so if you say, well, it's this U.S. Senate prediction, he's running for the Senate. I would ask the same question. Does he really think that his likely Republican primary opponents are not going to utilize this to mobilize people who are pro-Second Amendment? I, I just I can't see the wisdom of doing this. Well, let's just get down to the, the real core question here. Legislators are not in session now again until after the election in November, right? So yes. we're, we're, we're in lame duck. All the current bills of this two-year session are going to die at the end of this year. Right. So this SB 357 just came out. Here's the question. Does it have any chance of moving? Yeah, I don't think so. Uh, and I'm going to say it like that. I, 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 would, I would be tremendously surprised if the General Assembly was to move this bill. Having said that, you know, I've always been a fan of making sure that we deliver a message to our legislators. One thing you can't do is you can't stay silent and be surprised when they don't do what you want them to do. So I, I know, Dean, you can speak to this. BFA issued a press release earlier on this already. I think we'll be following up with communication directly to every single legislator that we oppose this bill. And I, and I think BFA supporters need to contact their legislators and just double down on it. We oppose Senate Bill 357. We oppose it before the election. We oppose it after the election. It is absolutely a terrible bill, and we oppose it. 
So let me ask an insider question, Rob. Do you, yeah. do you think there's another reason for this? Do you think that we're, we're talking about Dole and he, he's going to do a run, and maybe since he's a smart guy, like you say, he knows the bill isn't going to pass. He knows he's not going to get votes from Democrats. Is there something else going on? Like, you know, he's going to get support from somebody if he pushes this bill, and this is just sort of a quid pro quo kind of thing. I don't want to indulge in conspiracy theories, but I, I'm I'm trying to noodle this through. We see really dumb bills put out there, but, you know, we can look at a legislator and say, well, you know, okay, dumb legislator, dumb bill, that makes sense. But he's a smart guy. So, uh, you know, th- there's got to be a reason. Yeah, I, I don't know what it is. You know, it, maybe here's, and, and at this point, we should let our listeners know that you and I are just absolutely spitballing this, right? Maybe Matt Dolan's going to run for mayor of Cleveland. Well, I mean, that's his district, right? I mean, he's in that uh, Chagrin Falls area. His district, what is it? Is it 24? District 24 yeah. kind of yeah. kind of surrounds the Cleveland area. It's all those Cleveland uh, suburbs up there. So yeah. you, you think that's it, that he's, he's going to run for mayor? Who knows? I'm trying to think, how, how does this pay off, right? Because as we've already said, it's hard to imagine him winning a Republican primary with this hanging around his neck. So then you have to ask, okay, what major office would this bill play well in? Well, Cleveland has had Republican mayors. You know, George Voinovich was a Republican mayor. So they've had Republican mayors. And what kind of Republican would it take to get elected? Well, the Dolan family, of course, uh, I think they were previous. Do they still own the baseball team up there? Or at least they used to. I don't know. His, his, his family is involved with the uh, the Indians. I'm going to call them the Indians. That's what the name of the team is. Sorry, folks. <laughs> it's not the it's not the freaking Guardians. You went there. No, I, I, I look, Chief Wahoo, man. Every time I see somebody with a hat with Chief Wahoo on it, I'm going, yeah, that's right. That's that's the mascot. That's probably the saddest thing about that to me is I think Wahoo is one of the coolest mascots in all of sports. And I and I'm not even a Cleveland fan. You know, I'm a Cincinnati guy, but I've always thought Wahoo. He was the collateral damage of that whole thing because that was a cool mascot. But yeah, the Dolan family, uh, they might still own the. Uh, the baseball team there they've been a fixture up there for a long time so what's he trying to set himself up for maybe it's mayor of cleveland hard to say i i, I don't know I, I don't know how this pays off for him well at least at least that makes some sense rob so that that's why we have you here because you've got the you've got those insights on everything but we'll well, we'll find out won't we because this bill probably isn't going to go anywhere we're in august and the end of the session is coming up December 31st. Every bill that has not passed dies. And we start right. fresh on January 1st. So a, right. a bill like this doesn't make any sense. If I were going to introduce so, a bill like this, I'd want to do it like really early and give myself two years to get it through. Right, to figure it out. So here, here I guess here's the call to action that I would recommend, right? Because I don't, I don't trust politicians in general that the, like, there's not some deal going on that we're not aware of. So I think people who are listening to this, they ought to pick up the phone, they ought to fire up their email, they ought to call their sen- their state senator's office or email their state senator, and the same with their state representative, and they ought to say that they oppose Senate Bill 357, and and I would add this, and any other gun control bill 
or gun control amendment that is being contemplated for lame duck session, right? So quick refresher on lame duck. It's after the election. So sometimes sometimes the really controversial stuff gets shoved through in lame duck because there's a feeling that, well, if voters are mad, they'll have two years to get over it. So I think the message that needs to be sent, contact your legislators. I oppose Senate Bill 357 or any other gun control bill or amendment, period. And that, you know, send a message. We're not going to forget it. That's one thing about the gun lobby, folks in our world. We don't forget. And, the, and there's no time to get your ducks in a row, Rob. When they're lame, they can't line up, right? No, absolutely. There's, there's a yeah, joke they, there. There's a joke there somewhere. Well, we've had a lot. We've had a lot of fun with this today with, you know, the Barney Fife language. No means no. Right. Now we've got the uh, the lame duck comments. I mean, there's been a lot of good material here if you're in the comedian world. And, you know, for anybody who's listening to all this and they're saying you guys are making jokes out of all this and it's serious. We're deadly serious about seeing this built dead. And I think everybody needs to know that. But. You have to shake your head. You have to laugh when you see something like this come out and that they actually believe. That they could convince second amendment supporters that their due process is protected just because they say it is. but it's called due process rob it's right, right. there it, uh, that that a 21 year old ought to have to get permission <laughs> from their mommy to buy a fire permission slips yes right you know we could just and do so, that with the, we could just do that with all guns rob i mean why not just make that for everybody everybody needs a permission slip well that's true you know my mom tells me all the time that I'm still her son, you know, even in my mid 50. So this is the mommy daddy permission bill to buy a gun. Well, so we've been talking about SB 357, basically a regurgitation of what was it? SB 221 from 2019, 2020, kind of the same thing, just lighter, a little skankier, but strong Ohio 2.0, strong Ohio light, Call it whatever you like. We're saying we don't think it's going to go anywhere, but it's pretty bad. A bit more creative, a little shorter. It's about, what, 125 pages, something like that, rather than over 200. So I think Strong Ohio Light might be appropriate. Strong Ohio Light, and it still smells bad. Yep. Uh, Just like light beer, fewer calories, still skanky. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Well, Rob, uh, thanks for being on the podcast. And talking about this uh, new confusing bill that probably is not going to go anywhere. And uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, Dean. I'm glad to spend the time with you. That's all for this episode of Keep and Bear Radio. If you enjoyed the podcast, I urge you to subscribe. And please subscribe to the Buckeye Firearms Association newsletter at BuckeyeFirearms.org. If you'd like to become a member and support the work of BFA, go to joinbfa.org. Use the discount code PODCAST to get $10 off your membership. That's joinbfa.org. We'll see you next time on Keep and Bear Radio.